0: Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
1: From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, we have a Miami Bitcoin Conference roundup. We talk El Salvador making Bitcoin legal tender, and former President Donald Trump talks to Fox News about investing in Bitcoin. That's today on the Decrypt Daily. what's up everybody welcome to the show today is monday june 7th 2021 i just want to say sorry for leaving you guys hanging yesterday i took the day off it wasn't expected it just was a great day woke up in the morning went out to get coffee and it just you know it just snowballed into why rush home to do a podcast let's just enjoy the day go to the lake and enjoy life and that's what i did and i hope you did too i hope it was beautiful weather like it was over here in northeast ohio wherever you are and you enjoyed the day We're going to get straight into those crypto prices because we have two conversations today. The first one is with Editor-in-Chief Dan Roberts talking about the Miami Conference. The second one is Paul McNeil, the crypto curator, talking about El Salvador making Bitcoin a legal tender-ish. And then President Donald Trump made comments on Fox News about Bitcoin. Big day, big stuff, big news. Let's get into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. And I'm recording this at 10.30 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is in at $36,076, up 1% in 24. Ethereum is up 4% at $2,786. Tether's in the number three spot. Binance Coin, $396, up 2.3% in 24. And the number five spot belongs to Cardano at $1.71, up 3.2%. Rounding off the top 10, we have Dogecoin, XRP, Polkadot, USDC, and Uniswap. Total market cap. 1.65 trillion dollars and a btc dominance of 40.8 percent like i said first conversation is with editor-in-chief dan roberts summing up miami
2: thanks so much for having me back on
1: look man you just came back from miami
3: you had a crazy weekend you are tanned up you were on a boat on a boat amazing man please tell me about your weekend tell me about what the atmosphere was like in miami
2: It was pretty nuts, although in many ways, that's what I expected. You know, the event sold out. They sold something like 13,000 tickets officially, but according to reports, it was closer to 50,000 people that descended on the city for the weekend. And of course, at any conference like this, there's always sort of the conference beyond the conference. There's a bunch of people who fly in for the event who don't even have tickets to the actual conference. So in the convention center, you had all the speakers and all the events that happened on stage. But really, the action was in parties, you know, cocktail events, dinners and gatherings outside the convention center. So really, uh, as I wrote in my column this past weekend, the city, at least on this one weekend, did feel like Crypto City, which, you know, Mayor Francis Suarez has tried to emphasize and he has tried to open arms to crypto companies. And I think this was a weekend that emphasized that he has done that. Now, how long will that last? That's a bigger question, but it was nuts. It felt like every single person I encountered in Miami that weekend was a, a corner.
3: So, what did you actually go to the conference or were you just partying the whole weekend?
2: <laughs> yes, I went to the conference. Okay. And it's funny, a number of people who were there who never even set foot in the building. But, uh, that's a good follow up. And it's, it's a fair question because, you know, that's not to say that nothing interesting happened inside the building. There was also a lot of action on stage. I mean, you know, some of the most viral moments that were big on Twitter, people saw the craziest things. And it's always the crazy and the fringe that that gets amplified, right? Like there was a, a Bitcoin podcast host, Max Kaiser, who was on stage with Michael Saylor of MicroStrategy. Kaiser was in a white suit. Saylor was in a black suit. And Kaiser said, you know, we're not selling. We're not selling. Fuck you, Elon. And it was nuts. I mean, it was, it, it, and it kind of, it's sort of the bad side of things because the, the video went viral on Twitter, understandably, and it made it look like everyone at this event is a lick and it's a cult. I mean, he, he looked like he was leading a, a prayer, you know, ceremony.
3: I also saw Peter McCormick acting as security because Laura Loomer stormed the stage uh, yelling at Jack Dorsey. Did you see that?
2: Yeah, uh, I, I was in the building during that and kind of crashes things. And that's what she's become known for, this far right activist and you know, talking about free speech. Now, the irony there is, her things are all about Twitter. Jack's not there to Twitter. Uh, I mean, you know, I think for the most part, when Jack does his Bitcoin talk and puts on his crypto hat, he's really usually operating as CEO of Square. I mean, Twitter hasn't done anything with Bitcoin yet. Now, it might eventually, but from what I hear, he's had a much easier time having Square, you know, embrace Bitcoin than the other company he's CEO. He's there screaming about free speech on Twitter and the people in the audience are like, you know, we're here to hear about Bitcoin and Square. So, and of course, Square, you know, broke some news. There was a little bit of news broken here and there, but um, I think really the the biggest feel that I that I got from the weekend is, it's bigger than it's ever been. And of mm. course, people are going to make fun of the fringe things that happened and all the craziness, but, you know, you get 50,000 people flying into a city for a Bitcoin weekend. It's hard to dismiss that. I mean, even right. for skeptics, and I saw a lot of tweets from people being like, you know, thing is a joke or what a joke or it's a cult. It's like, okay, but fifty thousand people came for it, and right. it's it's hard to just dismiss that out of hand.
3: Well, so, what were other bigger takeaways besides the gossipy, besides the uh, you know the, the tabloid headlines sort of sort of things? What were your biggest takeaways of the actual blockchain tech uh, movement?
2: Yeah, well, one thing I'd say, Matthew. I mean, you know, this event was put on by Bitcoin Magazine, and it was very much explicitly a Bitcoin Maxi event. I mean, these are people who think there is only one God, and that God is Bitcoin. I mean, we know about these people. And so I mentioned people who flew into Miami kind of for everything but the conference. A lot of those were DeFi folks. And it's just interesting to me at this point, you know, at Decrypt and just like you at the podcast, you know, we're agnostic in the sense that we don't favor one token or one blockchain over another we cover all of it it's all interesting and to me at this point it's kind of crazy to me that there are still so many people and there are who can try to just ignore everything other it's like we're going to pretend ethereum doesn't exist and i think that that's crazy how can you do that so mm. i did see a lot of people you know, both at events and then a few people in the event hall with things like, you know, a Solana shirt, um, people pumping a, a DeFi protocol. Aave had a huge uh, boat party that a lot of people went to. And it's just funny. Because if you only watched the panels that happened on stage, you would think that there's only Bitcoin and nothing else interesting is happening in crypto outside of Bitcoin. And we know that's not the case. So that, that was just interesting to me. These were people who they are BTC to the moon. And of course, we talked about the crazy moments. Another one that everyone saw on Twitter, someone got up on stage and said, you know, Doge to the moon. And people said, boo. Floyd Mayweather <laughs> talked about it in a token. People said, boo. It's just fine to me. So as DeFi continues to grow, I wish I could kind of check in on these people in three years. What are they going to say? Are they going to finally kind of give in and and embrace all of it and say, okay, DeFi is interesting too, or are they just never going to admit and there's only Bitcoin?
3: Do you think that this conference made things better for Bitcoin? Do you think that this conference did anything in a positive, uh, moving the Bitcoin either narrative or the, uh, I would say, adoption forward?
2: That's a really good question. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure we can credit it with that. I think you have to say hats off to the event organizers because, I mean, we're talking about the biggest in-person Bitcoin conference. That's not nothing. That's hard to dismiss. That said, it's of believers talking to believers. You know, it's just preaching to the choir, as the phrase goes. You got people on stage, saying, we're not selling Bitcoin, Bitcoin, and all the crowd, yeah, yeah, Bitcoin. And it's like, okay, but did the event bring in a new to the space? Did there any skeptics and doubters? Uh, you know, I, I, I saw sort of it. Uh, again, I think it's people jumping up on stage talking who are already huge Bitcoin believers saying Bitcoin is great. It's like I often tell the editorial team at Decrypt, you know, I say, I don't need us to write up stories about when Bitcoin CEOs or Bitcoin investors go on TV and say Bitcoin's gonna go up big. Of course they do. You know, Bitcoin man say Bitcoin gonna go up more. Of course. So you know, someone like um, the CEO of Kraken, Jesse Powell, was on Bloomberg TV recently saying, "You know, Bitcoin's going to go to five hundred Okay, of course he says that. You know, he holds a lot of Bitcoin. So I think you asked the right question, and I'm not. The answer could be yes that it that it spurred more adoption. And by the way, I mean, you got fifty thousand people in Miami for a Bitcoin conference, and still it didn't budge the price. Still Mm -hmm. a down weekend for Bitcoin. I don't know what that says. I guess that some of the bearish stuff. is outweighing the very bullish fact that there is a here and conference
3: happening. Either, either that or all the whales are in Miami not trading over the weekend to pump the price.
2: <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, instead of giving speeches on, on the stage, they should have been buying.
3: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Last question is would you go again? And if somebody didn't go and they're considering to go, um, would you tell them to go next time?
2: Yeah, well, uh, I'll tell you, the organizers have already started promoting Bitcoin 2022. And they're selling early bird tickets, which I think is funny, Jeez. although a little, I think it's savvy and smart, but also kind of dumb because it says on the page, date TBA and location TBA. So you're asking people to buy a ticket now when they don't know when the conference will be or where it'll be. Although if I had to predict, I bet they'll do Miami again. Uh, I'd go again. For me, it was worth, you know, all the connections and the networking. It was also great, frankly, to so many people I know from the crypto world that I hadn't in years uh, but, you know, when it started out on Thursday, it was so crazy and packed that there were hundreds of people still waiting in line in the heat for hours who couldn't get into the building because the building was full and the events had started. I mean, Suarez was speaking and then Ron Paul was speaking and people couldn't get in. And I was in a Telegram chat. People were saying, am I going to get a refund? And they weren't happy. I think events got in and they settled down. And, you know, I, I think the, the event organizers will kind of get away with it in the sense it's like a success even though I think they really oversold tickets. Mm-hmm. But what all that says is the type of people who went to this event, I think they were happy because they already believed in Bitcoin. They had a great time. And the vibe they got over the three days was Bitcoin's awesome and it's bigger than it's ever been. Fine. But, you know, is it, is, it, is it worth shelling out big money for a whale ticket? You know, I heard some people saying I paid extra for the whale ticket. And what did I even get? Just access to a special tent. I don't know. You know, it, again, it's sort of it's just talking to other believers a fulfilling circle.
3: I just want to touch on that last part of the question, though, is if somebody didn't go, did they miss out?
2: That's tough. That's tough. I think it, it depends what kind of crypto person they are. You know, as, as you and I know well, this world is so much about the you know crypto Twitter, this passionate community. And the people who are kind of down the rabbit hole in that world love that. And it's sort of an echo chamber. They, they probably did miss out in the sense that they would have loved it because it's, there was just so much, it was such a social environment. You know, everyone seemed to be in high spirits. Hey, yeah, all right. The t-shirts, the booths, the displays, the sh- the swag, you know, the um, the parties, all that. But I also think there are a lot of more serious people in this crypto investing world who kind of just sit back and they have their main life, but then on the side, they're interested in crypto and they don't feel they need to be kind of in with the crazies and for those people there's no reason to go to an event like this you know especially because you could watch the panel line you didn't need to be there in person so it was great to be there in person for a certain type who's really an obsessive you know so uh for those people if they feel they missed out it's kind of self-explanatory right if they watched all the tweets and saw the reporting from it and they felt like oh i'm so jealous i wish i was there well they should probably time, yeah
3: Editor-in-Chief of Decrypt, Dan Roberts, thanks for filling us in on your crazy
1: weekend.
2: Great stuff. And if people want to read more, they can check out my column on the site from Sunday.
1: Next, we move over to Paul McNeil, the crypto curator, where we talk about El Salvador's president proposing to make Bitcoin legal tender. I apologize for the audio for this conversation. I didn't realize my mic wasn't plugged in. What a rookie newbie mistake. I apologize. Still a good conversation. Paul McNeil,
3: the crypto curator. Welcome to the show.
0: Hey, man, thanks for having me on, man.
1: All right, so
3: uh, we just debated this whole thing for about seven minutes before we even press play on this, but we have to go back to to the beginning. El Salvador's president says that he's going to propose a bill to make Bitcoin
0: legal tender. Can you explain what is going on real quick, please? Sure, sure. So what's happened is that Thanks to Jack Mallers, who is just a beast. This dude is just getting everybody on board. Uh, He worked with the president of El Salvador, and they decided to make Bitcoin a legal tender in El Salvador. Now, that decision, while it's been made, it still has to go through a process, which he has to submit a bill to Congress, and Congress will need to approve it. If Congress approves it, then Bitcoin becomes legal tender in El Salvador. So that's where we sort of sit right now.
3: Okay, so what
0: is, what does that mean? Why why is making that legal tender even important? Because what it does is that, like in Japan, Japan, the news if people can remember way back when, I think it was like twenty seventeen is twenty. 14, I don't I remember the actual year, but they came out and said that Bitcoin was going to be legal tender. And then the news was reported. Bitcoin's legal tender in Japan. This is amazing. And then they got backtracked and said, no, no, wait, wait, wait. It's not legal tender. It's uh, you, you can use it as a money in Japan. So it, it didn't receive legal tender status. When you have a currency that receives legal tender status, it means that you can pay your debts in government with that money. Now, it doesn't force businesses to accept it, but it does say if someone wants to transact with it, they can. But again, it's for the government side. That's where the legal tender part comes in. And what does that do for taxes? Well, for taxes, for this asset in particular, here in the United States, it's treated as as a commodity, which means that if you trade with Bitcoin, then it's going to be taxed if it's a currency, it's not taxed. And what the president came out and said again on Twitter and reiterated was that if this bill does pass Congress and Bitcoin does become legal tender, there is zero capital gains tax because it's actually currency, not a commodity.
3: OK, so I'm getting a lot of mixed signals here and I'm trying to figure out, actually try to read through the BS. And I feel that this is a little bit of BS. So CSNBC tweets El Salvador becomes the world's first country to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender. The headline of the Crips article here says El Salvador's president wants Bitcoin as legal tender. So it seems as though there's a little funny business going on with the media.
0: Yeah, the media does this, though. And what I was trying to get to is if you can think about the United States when we have presidential elections, when they start calculating who won and you see it on CNN and you see it on all the other channels, Fox, everybody else, they will declare a winner before all of the votes have been counted. How are they able to do that? because statistically, based on where they've gotten certain votes and yada, 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 they come up with this huge mathematical thing and they say declare a winner, even though 100% of the electorate has not been counted. I think this is what the media is doing here. They pretty much have calculated that this president most likely, we'll get this bill passed through Congress. Therefore, they say it's legal tender. That's what they're doing, in my view, and that's what they're doing. Now, can Congress come out and throw some wild loop and say no? Maybe, but it doesn't look like that because the guy's wildly popular there in El Salvador, and it looks like he's going to get this through.
3: It sounds like media funny business. And it also sounds like Bitcoin hype. Look, obviously, I'm here for a purpose. I'm I'm here as a Bitcoin blockchain advocate, but I'm also, uh, you know, trying to look at things as they are. And as it is right now, Bitcoin is not a legal tender in El Salvador. Bitcoin is a bill to become legal tender. We're reporting on it incorrectly. And this seems like more Bitcoin hype. It just seems like another tag headline to maybe boost, raise, pump, The Bitcoin price uh, to get all of the um, advocates on board to say, "Yay, Moon!"
0: Yeah, I hear you. Think about this: back in 2008, 2009, when the Bitcoin paper was released, I'm sure a lot of people said the exact same thing. Listen, all this is hype. You know, this magical internet money, blah blah blah. They dogged it, they slammed it. Ten years later, eleven years later, twelve years later, where are we? Sometimes, yes, media and everybody else likes to project certain things. And so we're looking into the future. This, as I told you, I believe, and this is my my true belief, we will look back on this day as the day this decision changed everything in Bitcoin. This is why I think Jack Mahler's reported one small step for Bitcoin, one giant step for mankind. This is a big event that people are not really realizing as a big event, that's just, that's my, that's my take on it. And we can call that media, funny business hype and all this other kind of stuff. I don't think it's hype. I think it is a legitimate move that Bitcoin is being even talked about as a legal tender in some country. Some country has just now gotten off zero with Bitcoin on their balance sheet. This is not a small deal. It's a big, now people say, oh, Salvador, look at it on the map. It's a little small country. I get that. But guess what's going to happen once it happens and people see the results. More and more will happen. And then can we look back and say it was El Salvador that made that decision? Yes.
3: You said that we're going to look back and say that this is a big deal, that this is a big deal, that El Salvador started the whole thing. What is the thing that they're starting?
0: They're starting the adoption. Now, Greg Foss at the Bitcoin conference said this, and I think it's critical people get this understanding. Digital asset, digital currency. Bitcoin will become a global reserve asset. That is not a question. That is a fact, a global reserve asset. For it to become a global reserve currency, like the dollar to be the reserve currency of the global, that's gonna take decades. But for it to be a global reserve asset, things like this, when they develop, it's helping that narrative. It's helping that become reality. Again, El Salvador, as small as they are, putting Bitcoin on their balance sheet is a big deal. It's like Miami putting Bitcoin on its balance sheet. Listen, if give it some years, if it turns out to be great, it's going to be a really good thing for Miami and other cities are going to wind up following it. Same thing for Michael Saylor. Michael Saylor was the first company to put Bitcoin on their balance book for the Treasury Reserve asset. And look what's happened. Other countries have, I mean, other countries, other companies have followed suit. As a matter of fact, $11 billion of Bitcoin are on companies' balance sheets and 32 companies. And that was all started from Michael Saylor. It's going to happen.
3: Paul McNeil, curator, thanks for coming on the show. And um, this is interesting news. Let's see if it's actually exciting news if that bill passes.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Ed.
1: And finally, former President Donald Trump goes on Fox News to talk Bitcoin. He has some comments. And my ask to you is my ask to you about all kinds of things. Listen to what he has to say and write me an email, Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co. Tell me what you think about his comments. I'll read them on air tomorrow with other comments I asked for before. Here's his statement. The opening bell
0: for Wall Street is about to ring. I'll ask you one last question. You don't like Bitcoin? You wouldn't invest in Bitcoin? Do you invest in the stock market at this moment?
3: So not at this moment. I think it's high. Uh, so I have not invested in the stock market at this moment. I have in the past, but I have not at this moment. I think it's high. Uh, Bitcoin I, I just seems like a scam. Uh, I was surprised. You know, with us, it was at six thousand and Uh, much lower. I don't like it because it's another currency competing against the dollar. Essentially, it's a currency competing against the dollar. I want the dollar to be the currency of the world. That's what I've always said.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. Again, please email me Aaron at decrypt.co. Write in and tell me what you think about Donald Trump's comments about Bitcoin. I'll read them on air tomorrow. And until tomorrow, happy huddling, everyone, and take care.